Thomas and Frederick. With Thomas and Frederick. With Thomas and Frederick. Welcome to State of the Franchise, the podcast that talks about franchises of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, genres, and types. I am one of your hosts, Tom Stadler, here as usual with my co-host and knight in shining armor, Fred Aiken. Fred, how you doing over there? Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. Oh, yeah, I <laughs> snuck up on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really did. You might say I'm like a bandit. <laughs> I got those sneaky moves. I say, I'm excited to be here, Tom. It's so to stay the franchise. I mean... We do it. We do it hard. And Fred, we've got class, you could say. Mm-hmm. We've leveled up. We've leveled up. You know, it's it's an open world out there, and and we're just <laughs> galloping along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just trying to get a house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, if uh, if our listeners have not guessed yet, our... Our topic this week is around a uh, a franchise that has been around for a little bit now, uh, a popular RPG series called The Elder Scrolls. Uh, you may recognize some of the titles in there. Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim might be the one that everybody's like, oh, yes, that's the one I know. But there's a couple other titles out there that uh, maybe other people are pretty well familiar with and some that they aren't as well familiar with. But, um, Fred, I, I got to say... I'm not quite as familiar with this. I know you might be a little bit, though, right? Oh, I uh, the first game of these that I played, I picked up Morrowind for the tiniest bit, and at the mm-hmm. time it wasn't it for me, but I have played lots of Skyrim. But the good news is we got a guest who knows more than either of us, which is always Indeed. the plan. <laughs> yes, and uh, here to join us this week is a big fan of the entire series, and Bethesda in general, the, the producer on the series that is uh mr eric kakonis eric Ooh. welcome to the show hey, everybody thank you for having me uh tom fred uh i'm i'm really really excited to dive into uh yeah the the world of tamriel and all of uh all, all the cool shit that they created in this game full <laughs> disclosure i haven't played like all the games like i'm not an expert like there's thousands and thousands and thousands of years of game lore and uh like titles that are only available on like consoles that i don't have so you know like i've only played like four of the elder scroll games oh only four of the five that are available (laughs) there's more more than those five (laughs) i mean okay i suppose when i when i say five it's what the five main chapters of the series right yeah yeah i guess i guess Yeah. yeah Yeah, and then there's like a hundred different expansions and spinoffs, and oh, yeah, oh we can gosh. talk. Oh, I mean, dude, uh, can we talk about mods for a little bit? I yeah. <laughs> that I kind of want to talk about the monetization of mods that's going on. Oh, that no, only the free ones. That's it's a it's a shared community. That's what I believe. I don't support the pay for mods. That's I what I'm know. talking about. I don't care about the games yeah. that much. No, I mean, mods are supposed to be for the people, for fun, online. Like, if you start 
monetizing them, it's like then you're you're losing out. And I, I just learned about all this like hours ago. Like I knew what a mod was, but I didn't know how big the mod thing was w- with these games because I spent a lot of my time at work watching like hours and hours of docs of people talking about these games and i'm excited to see some passion from your side i'm hoping you can match some of these people that made these like four hour videos about why uh dagger fall is the best game ever made yeah and i guess maybe that is where a great starting point for us eric Mm -hmm. is uh tell us a little bit about where you got started with the elder scrolls like what was the first game you played uh i dived into it with oblivion um actually like i started in uh, I, I picked I picked up because uh, they had uh, Skyrim released with like Oblivion as like a dual pack thing. Oh, nice. And oh. uh, um, so I got both of them, and I started playing. Like I actually I started playing a, a Skyrim first, and then went back to Oblivion later because the moment and this is weird. Like the moment I held the the Oblivion disc like in my hand. I just read the mm-hmm. word oblivion and I'm like, this is like a game that's going to suck me in into oblivion and I'm never going to come out. Like I'm going to lose years of my life to this. Like I knew it before I, even <laughs> I get, put it in. <laughs> I get so excited when I get that feeling though. I have to say when you know, like, Oh, I'm going to get so much time out of this game. Yeah. This is going to burn a hole in my life. I'm going through <sighs> that right now with uh, Elden Ring where like, it just hit me where I was like, Oh, so much to do, so much to see. Yeah, I know. I'm like, this is gonna be. I'm like, that. That's a scary metaphor. But like, and and so I actually like, I put it aside for a little bit because I didn't want to, like, sacrifice that much of my life to a video <laughs> game. Which you know, I was in my yeah. early twenties, so like, I had weird thoughts like that. Um, but I played Skyrim for a little bit, and and I couldn't. And then I finally went back to Oblivion, and then I actually learned how to use. That was the first time I actually ever played like first-person, uh, open-world exploration too. So like up until that point, I had played like Fable and any anything else, but it was all forced third perspective. And um, yeah, like that got a little bit getting used to, but being able to actually jump back and forth was a real nice way to kind of adjust to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great aspect of Skyrim for sure. That you could kind of have that first or third, which I would appreciate if more games did now. Because I think there's times when I'm like, this game feels like it would it would run better in a like a third person perspective versus a first person perspective, like where you're forced on that. And I just sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I just feel like I'm I'm getting dizzy spinning around looking at stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm excited that you said that you played Skyrim and then you went back to play Oblivion because, like I said, I was watching all these videos and watching all this footage of all these games, and I'm kind of tempted to, like, try to track down a copy of, like, Morrowind or Oblivion and try to play these games because, honestly, yeah. like, they they all seem to have something special. It's not just, like... uh would be like assassin's creed kind of in the beginning where like this isn't the same thing redone yeah there are like three things that are similar but when you hear people talk about these three games they're very different in a way yeah yeah and then i mean and that's the weird thing they all hold up now like even after like uh 
you know, like right now I'm I'm playing No Man's Sky a lot, which is in a hyper-realistic, mm-hmm. you know, super sci-fi modern thing. And but I'll still go back and play Oblivion, which is, you know, the old, you know, kind of still kind of chunky, bad animation, whatever. It's not the same quality. But the 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 story, the 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 detail of <laughs> of like all right. the quests uh, that are in there. Uh, honestly, I think Oblivion is is better than Skyrim. If you really, if you whoa, to. <laughs> that's, gonna, that's gonna, what I've been hearing all yeah. day. Mm-hmm. I yeah. hear you're basic if you like Skyrim. That's what all these people who made these videos told me. <laughs> that's the thing. Though, like <laughs> Skyrim is great in its own way, but like it's it's pared down a little bit from what oblivion was as far as like how you could build a character and uh like just some of the weird weird ways that the storylines would twist around you you don't see it in skyrim the way you see it in oblivion um yeah not to jump away ahead to the what it could have should have but skyrim Mm. should have been more like oblivion (laughs) No, it's a good yeah. good way to put a pin in that though for later on. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting because each of these games won uh, a game of the year from I guess different types of outlets, mm-hmm. and it's so it kind of goes to show just how competitive I think people do think like, envision them in their mind, and you know it's almost like it's for a different set of people. Even with each generation, it feels like whoever comes into these games, you know, whether it is through Morrowind or through Skyrim or even looking at Oblivion, you know, and that was. <laughs> my first taste and my only taste of the Elder Scrolls. And not because it never looked interesting or because I didn't like it at all. It was just like, oh man, like if I get into one of these games, exactly as you guys said, I'm dumping hours and hours into this and I'm never getting out. Like, <laughs> and I'm still playing it. I'm still playing it to this day. Like I've, wow. way I've come back so many times. I've started new characters. They all end up being the same character in the end, but like they all start different. <laughs> You know, yeah, no, it's great. It's great to see it. It does have something that other games don't have that just mm-hmm. keeps holding you on to it. Yeah, was this like college for you, Tom? Oh yeah, definitely college for me. I I ended up borrowing an Xbox from a neighboring uh, dorm room, and then he gave me his copy of Oblivion with it, and so I was playing on that for a while, and then he, like all uh, college borrowing, you know the the rent comes due at some point and you have to return that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> before I even got a chance to get sucked into the oblivion, I, uh, I was cut off and went back to playing my, my Wii and PS2 or whatever I had at the time. Mm-hmm. That was like when I first played fable two and I'll get into my like kind of origin story with Skyrim. I remember like, cause I was always a little reticent to play RPG games. I don't think I had anyone kind of handhold me to them, which I think I needed. Cause like mm-hmm. I would get games, you know, rarely I'd be able to rent a game from like the blockbuster or whatever. But when I did, I remember getting like a game back in, I was probably in middle school and it was like a turn place role playing game. And I was like, what the hell is this? Why can't I punch? Why can't I shoot? Why do I have to like <laughs> choose these options? And I yeah. one at the time was like, maybe see this more as a story that you're enjoying versus a game where you're going to push a bunch of buttons. And so it took me a while. Eventually when I was in like middle school, or high school, I was like, I kind of want another shot of this. And I got uh Morrowind 
which I kind of wish like I would have waited a few years later and picked up uh, Oblivion because it sounds like Oblivion's kind of a happy medium between Morrowind's uh, kind of it's a smaller map, but it's very intricate in how you can build your character and stories. And then mm-hmm. like Skyrim is definitely more like people from all walks can kind of approach it. You don't have to be an RPG person. And it seems from what I you know watched today that Oblivion's like right in the middle. And it's kind of that happy medium of that kind of in-depth RPG and then playability where you have some action in there. So, but it was really not until college I got Skyrim and just the idea that I could shoot my bow and arrow at little things and just slowly build up my, you know, stats for some reason blew my mind or just working on my armor. (laughs) I just love the freedom of being able to do all that stuff. I remember at one point I was like, I'm just going to get a house and I'm just going to relax. I don't need all this stress from these people. I just want (laughs) to live in this world. (laughs) So I came fully around to like the RPG life. (laughs) Oh, yeah, three vegetables. We want to make soup. <laughs> yeah, I want to make soup. <laughs> I like that it's just like a lifestyle simulator in that way. Well, that was kind of the original approach to the Elder Scrolls game was they weren't going for a action game. It was a fantasy life simulator. Like, that's mm-hmm. what they referred to for Dagger. It wasn't Daggerville, <laughs> but Daggerfall. Daggerfall. Yeah, Daggerfall, Daggerville would have been good, though. So what is it about these games, though, guys, that I mean, and, and maybe that's kind of the perfect entry point to this question of what is it that really brings you back to replay this over and over again, Eric or Fred, where you are somebody who is like, yeah, you know, I want to put a pot of soup on the stove and, you know, build my house and then maybe go do a quest or something like that if I feel up to it. Yeah. You know, is that the sell on the series or is there something even more that you guys are like, yeah, this is this is why you come and play this over and over again? I mean, uh, I think I think that's part of it. I think I mean, for me. That game has been something that I've just played. Like that was my escape from uh, you know a lot of shit. So for me, for me now, it's just like it's one of those like ultimate comfort blankets, you know. But uh, I think the reason why I kept going back to it was there. There was enough details I think in in uh, in Skyrim to keep me like interested enough to bring me into it. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, there was enough, like, different ways that you could explore. You weren't, like, kind of, like, force-fed. Like, uh, like I was also playing Assassin's Creed around the same time. And that's a pretty open world. But you're also kind of force-directed down a path no matter how hard you try. Definitely. Whereas in Skyrim, you can totally forget about it. And I really, really liked that. I, I, I really got into just climbing up the mountains and just... <laughs> You know, walking in a field and hearing, you know, really beautiful music playing in the background. And then all of a sudden you come across a giant and, uh, you know, you get to shoot lightning out of your hands from your own perspective, (laughs) (laughs) which which I love. And then once I got comfortable and I went back to Oblivion and I really started getting deep into like the lore and the history and how like all of that happened way before. Uh, you got to Skyrim and I actually started seeing like the connection between like the top of the Cyrodiil map of Oblivion to where the province of Skyrim starts. 
And I started actually recognize like this is a this is this is an entire world that's connected and it needed two mm. games to expand it. And then from there, then I learned about uh you know Hammerfell and 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 uh or Daggerfall and uh and Arena and all that stuff. I'm like this is crazy. Um so I, I think for that, like it's for me, I I brought it, I took it in in such a way that like I was paced into like kind of like the the watered down version of Skyrim <laughs> first, and then the crazy ass like more detailed, concentrated Oblivion, and and like it was a real nice progression. And then I just I was by that time I was hooked, you know. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, that's the beauty of like a watered down version is you get used to the water, you know, before you dive <laughs> into that more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, for me, I think uh, a lot of it, I think, was also just like being able to just hunt, you know. Yes. Uh, that was fun. That was, I, I spent a lot of hours just like stalking deer in the forest. Oh, wow. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know why. Hunting in games is just great. It always yeah. is. It's always very satisfying. Yeah. yeah. I played a vampire hunter in one of my uh, roles, which was great. Oh, nice. Um, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was one, probably one of my favorite ones was that build. So if you had to summarize the through line of this series, like, what would you say these games? Man, I, I'm like, I'm like trying to be like, what what are they about? But it's almost like everything has a different, it has like 10 different routes you can go, or more than 10 different routes, right? Like, but I mean, what what is like the 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 single thread? If you had to even like post one, is it just like here's sort of like a Middle Earth type version of a new place called Tamaril, where all these different lands and everything kind of interact and are their own little like space? Yeah. Well, I mean, the entire world is called Nern. The continent okay. that we're talking about is Tamriel. There's also several other continents. Yeah, I think all of the entire world is is really can be kind of summed up into a, a decision. Uh, mm. I mean, if, if like the 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 origin of, of the 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 like the origin story of the world itself is there are all of these like god like creatures that were the Adra that decided to give their essence to create this reality. And then there was also these godlike figures that didn't want to do that, uh, who kept all their power. And now they're the Daedra, which like fuck around with you and like give you extra quests and like have you <laughs> cursed weapons. You know, they're like, oh, this will help you kill werewolves, but only if your daughter is the werewolf. You know, <laughs> like, like, we're just like that. <laughs> they're the avatar for the developers. They're just like, we have to make this as hard as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I think like, just that origin of like either you know choosing to either be like, like you know the good character where you like give and are of service or you're the bad character and you just kind of withhold everything i think that's really kind of the balance of the entire world because like you know you can decide to either be the good character or the bad character that's going to completely determine the outcome of your experience but I think and that I do remember about Oblivion, and that was like a very big draw for me. I was like, yeah. "Ooh, like I could even save two different files and go a different route, like." And that's just for one character type that you even have, and it's like, 
how does that change for all of them? <laughs> and that's something almost expected in some video games nowadays, This that the choices you make are going to affect the game and you're going to have different outcomes, but then that was probably pretty revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, talk about a revolutionary franchise, and I do kind of want to get into some of the history of the development of this game because I, I think, as we kind of said right up top, this really was a, a trendsetter for a lot of other games that came after it. And Fred, you mentioned that you're playing Elden Ring right now. Like, I don't think that game exists if the Elder Scrolls doesn't get started, you know, oh, when it definitely. did. And when we get towards the end, I definitely kind of want to highlight, like, I don't want to get too much into Elden Ring. That's not that podcast, but more like the reasons why I almost prefer, even though I'm really enjoying Elden Ring, I definitely think I prefer... Elder Scrolls, and just the setup for a open-world RPG. So I'll hit that towards the end. But, but um, it's definitely you're seeing it in a lot of games. And, you know, I saw at the beginning that this company, Bethesda, started out making, like, sports games. Yes, they did. So, yep, the Elder Scrolls was primarily developed by Bethesda Game Studios and published by Bethesda Softworks, who up until that point, as Fred said, was primarily a sports game developer. They made a bunch of uh, little things back in the 80s. They made like Wayne Gretzky hockey. Um, they started messing around with a Terminator series shortly after that. Which but... that game looked pretty raw. I watched some video of that. <laughs> I know, I feel like I could get into like, oh, I remember seeing some of that on Sega Genesis, but uh, that was a while ago. But what they really, I think, made their mark with, obviously, until uh, until uh, another series that we'll, we'll mention in a little bit, was with the Elder Scrolls. And, you know, these are games that they have sold over 58 million copies worldwide in its run. Um, it has been around since 1994 and started back with uh back when they first were starting this uh they were developing this idea of an arena as we talked about uh, i'm very intrigued by uh this this idea of arena because it really wasn't like an arena when the game finally came to be right and you got neither of you have played arena right no Maybe I did. I don't know. Like they, I had a lot of those. Like I played a lot of those different, like dungeon crawly explorer games in different ways, shapes, or forms. But like I know the story of Arena. Like it started like you and your team were supposed to just go from city to city and fight in arenas until you were the winner. And then every once in a while, you get like a fun side quest or some stupid bullshit. And then, like, they just got more interested in making the side quests. (laughs) (laughs) Forget the arena thing. (laughs) You guys, the covers on this thing, too. Oh, man, yeah, the art is fantastic, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, obviously we'll we'll probably share a little bit in the promotion of this episode. So if people may have yeah. seen it by the time they're listening to this. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to behold. It draws you in like it's like a classic movie posters. It's like what I think of. So I guess really the idea, as you kind of said, yeah, developed from people who were aficionados of like pen and paper RPGs back in the day. So people who probably played. You know, a lot of Dungeons and Dragons back in their day. And I mean, you can see a lot of the inspirations, I think, just even in the art 
of Dungeons and Dragons and what impact it had on this. Yeah. But yeah, I think as Eric said, you know, the, the idea of this tournament progressed and became less important and the side quest became really the game, which I think is such an interesting idea to think about in 1994 when I think in my brain, and I'm probably wrong about this, but like 80% of games felt like they were just like platformers or puzzle games of some sort, or they were sporting games like we were talking about. Yeah, and there's that, a sports game where you ran really quickly across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> shooting. Yeah, Very linear gameplay, which I think seeing people wanting to do side quests more and or wanting to make side quests more just kind of shows people wanted more like freedom in their games. And Yeah. No, I mean, it's absolutely true. And so the so the although the team had dropped all the arena combat from the game, the material that had already been printed up with the title, so they were committed to the the name Arena. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's really not <laughs> at all about it. I just love this idea of like, okay, guys, we got a great game. It's going to be called Arena. All right, cool. Well, we got all the art. Okay, so a lot happened in the last two years. <laughs> well, like, well, it's too bad the the, the art company that they, they got. I it just got back done. from from Europe. I was taking pictures of the Colosseum. If you want to use those, you know, I I just spent hours doing these sketches. We're gonna do a big arena, right? Um, sorry, sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went a different direction. I know. I just. The, I mean, I can't imagine the amount of money that could have been dumped into this, considering how cheap video games were being produced at the time. But it obviously was enough to deter them. So uh, when the game went to market, they added the name The Elder Scrolls in order to give it the idea of like it's The Elder Scrolls colon arena. And that way it kind of ties everything together. Yeah. So the Elder Scrolls, yeah, eventually came to mean uh, like Tamriel's mystical tomes of knowledge that told of its past, present, and future, which is a cool as hell pivot to think about. <laughs> Although they did have like they brought the arena back. You have the arena in Oblivion. You get to become the champion. Oh. Of. Yeah. I know they originally planned for like every city was going to have an arena, but they didn't have room for that in the game. Yeah, so they just kept it in the main capital. Uh, but yeah, that's that, that, again, one of the things that makes Oblivion better than Skyrim is you can bet on your, on the fights in the arena in Oblivion. Oh, that's awesome. There's, there's no betting as far as I know in Skyrim. That's a damn shame. Advantage of Oblivion. That right game there. is, it's mid, it's mid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty sus and basic, I will say, to play Skyrim. I'm yeah. learning more and more, but I love, I love it. I can't it. help it. Love it. Mm-hmm. So, work on The Elder Scrolls II Daggerfall began after Arena's release in March 1994. Um, Ted Peterson at the time was assigned as the lead game designer, not uh, Todd Howard. I'm not confusing those two, just to be clear. <laughs> we had... That, that's an off, off-pod joke that got started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too many T names. But, <laughs> but uh, basically, Daggerfall's plot was less cliched than Arena's and involved more of a complex series of adventures leading to multiple resolutions. Um, so they kind of upped the ante, though, with this game. The 3D on it reminded me a lot of Doom. 
like if you had put a fantasy skin over doom is kind of what i felt like when they're like on the horse riding around yes that is pretty impressive the videos of the horse riding look super cool. I couldn't stop watching those. It it would have been like I imagine like what if you had tried to play like Ocarina of Time on a PC right. like in 1997 <laughs> or 96. <laughs> like it it just kind of had that like that like classic pixel art look which is so good mm-hmm. and it it uh actually so i'm gonna bring up with elden ring elden ring does a thing that they start in that game that i know a lot of these kind of games do where they start you in a dungeon in a very small space and it's like an hour or so gameplay and it's really hard to get out and if you just kind of check your expectations of games from that time you're in this dungeon you're used to seeing games like doom where you're in this kind of crawling through here but then you come out and you're in this open world and apparently at the time that was just like mind-blowing you come out and then the score changes you're in snow and it would just be Mm -hmm. wild to kind of think of that like if you've been playing these kind of dungeon games your whole life and then all of a sudden oh i get to go up some stairs and open up and see the sky (laughs) and uh (laughs) elden ring does the exact same thing it's kind of funny it's it's pretty great You know, it's 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 crazy how like what the level of expectation was on video games way back in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just like having, I don't know, like a menu option, like that's like yeah. you can go to a mid game. It's like what you can do that <laughs> now. Or <laughs> you would have had to wait for like a level break or something like that to like yeah. put it through any upgrades or whatever you wanted to do. Well, hey, did you uh, did you guys have a notebook at home that you would write down the the save code? Oh for yeah, your I did that for oh, Crash yeah. Bandicoot. I know on the first Crash Bandicoot game, there was like a password you could have to like get back to where you were. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think that's just something that it felt like it feels even so old, even for games like on Super Nintendo or something like that because at the time some of the games would let you like save your progress with a save file while others were like well no you need to write down this four rows of code <laughs> in order to pick up your progress <laughs> well it's because like one cartridge would have like a battery built in so I so like it stay alive and like keep them I don't oh, know Oh is that was... the reason? Oh interesting. I think some of them were yeah like Wow. I remember some of the kids would be like, "This the this Zelda cartridge has got a battery inside of it." This was, <laughs> remember, or something. I don't know. They, but also, again, I was in grade school, so they could have just been. <laughs> it's entirely possible, but I mean, it makes sense if that was the reason why. Mm-hmm. So, with Daggerfall. I guess Arena had more of an experience point based system and it was replaced in this game with one that more rewarded the character for actually role playing their character. As you guys kind of talked about, it made it more focused on the lifestyle. So had a better character generation engine, the one that included like a what they called a GURPS influenced class <laughs> creation system. <laughs> it's an acronym, GURPS, not a not a term. Are we familiar with GURPS? Yeah, like I love GURPS. 
<laughs> it's the generic universal role-playing system or GURPS. Ooh. So that was a, a tabletop role-playing game system designed to allow for play in any game setting. Okay. So this offered players the chance to create their own classes and assign their own skills, which feels wild. Like it's got to be so much customization involved in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get overwhelmed just trying to pick a skin for my character now. Like, oh, for sure. Like, oh, do I want him to have a goatee or not? And this is basically like, how do you want this character to play? Like, (laughs) it's crazy because like they, you know, they've been doing this kind of customization for a while, and now it's like in cyberpunk. You can uh, like adjust. You can adjust dong size, and (laughs) (laughs) it's come such a far way. It's come such a far. Oh, Oh, now we're getting there. Making Dragonville or a Dagger Bill, (laughs) they'd be able to Daggerfall. Daggerfall. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, w- I wasn't sure what you were what you were referencing at first, but um, so Daggerfall. Uh, after the release, work began on three separate projects that all carried the Elder Scrolls uh title, and that was the Elder Scrolls Legend, Battlespire, the Elder Scrolls Adventures, Redguard, and a little something called Morrowind. So Battlespire, which was originally titled Dungeon of Daggerfall Battlespire, was the first of the three to be released. Uh, It was originally designed as an expansion pack for Daggerfall, but it was repackaged as a standalone game. And a lot of these, like, monsters and characters from this game will appear in later games. This is kind of the origin for a lot of creatures that you see in, like, Morrowind and... Like, they're testing ground. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it kind of, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, though. It seems like there's a lot of standards set with, like, story and plot elements, character elements that just continue to keep getting built upon throughout the rest of the series. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, until you get to The Elder Scrolls Online, which oh. is, I think, like a huge retcon action. <laughs> yeah. Is that like that reverses like they go back almost in time to before almost all of the other games. Oh wow. After all those were Yeah. So they they did the Mortal Kombat, basically just went and reset the whole timeline because they lost track of where they were. <laughs> I don't think they no, I don't think they did that. They just like look, this other shit happened oh. back in time. And you know, and then it builds on like it a prequel. That way. Yeah, kind of like a prequel. Gotcha. Like they did some really nice stuff. Like there's a there's character lines that are you can follow through every single one of the games. That are somehow always connected with the same guilds that go through all of them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so I guess it, they really do seem like they are a lot more connected than I guess it seems like where it's like just like oh here's these opposing countries or whatever. It's just yeah, I like it. So, Morrowind was conceived during the development of Daggerfall, a project that they said took close to 100 man years to create, which is something to behold. Uh, Bethesda tripled their staff and spent the first year developing what they call the Elder Scrolls construction set, 
And uh, this was a tool that allowed the game staff to easily balance the game and to modify it in smaller increments than just trying to build one big thing all together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after uh, Morrowind did well, <laughs> That's the, to say it very, uh, very briefly, because, uh, I mean, Morrowind ended up winning uh, a couple different game of the year awards uh it was really the first i think pin in the in the the badge or whatever you want to call it what am i saying pin in the lapel yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah pin in the lapel yeah for and, uh, bethesda because it's a that you got something kid. <laughs> <laughs> i also I wanted to throw fire in your eyes <laughs> also i just wanted to throw out bethesda you know you know where they're located tom where are they maryland Oh, mm. you know, not, not too far from a little small town where I, I was born at Rockville, Maryland is where they are. So you were born in a small town, Fred? Yeah, I'm born in a small town. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get Elden Ring in a small town. Oh, damn. I said Elden Ring. Oh, the Elden no. thing is make it makes it hard. It makes it hard, man. Uh, the, the titles are so close. It's so easy. I mean, we should probably clarify here that people are listening to an Elder Scrolls podcast, not mm-hmm. an Elden Ring podcast. That's for another yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. When I eventually beat that, when I'm an old man. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the Dark Souls franchise, right? Yes. And that's kind of my first yeah. attempt into the From Software games, which. I definitely, as I said, I really kind of like the cheekiness and niceness of, I think Elder Scrolls is just a little more welcoming than Elden Ring. Elden Ring Mm -hmm. feels like you open a door and they stab you in the chest and kick you out the door, like, at every moment. Yeah, it's, uh, it it all just seems so overwhelming. I feel like any time you try to enter an open world RPG now, you're just like, you're committing your your mind and your heart into a whole story. (laughs) So yep, you're gonna put your relationships on the line for your world. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Morrowind, um, so- I just wanted to say this is probably the most like from what I looked in today, like the one where they really threw it all at the wall, the like plexed um sense of leveling up your character. Kind of these moments and missions where you're like, oh, you have to go to this person to do this, which will allow you to go to this person. Kind of these like crazy missions and then i think going mm-hmm. from morrowind to oblivion from here on out you start to see the games um they the company wants to be more approachable for everyone they want it to be a game that kind of anyone can play and that starts this starts to be when people who are like die die hard fans get a little upset with the games oh uh... What's what's the criticism though that it just it, it was trying to do too much? Is that it? Well, the no, they said Morrowind does a lot, and that Oblivion, and then even worse with Skyrim is take like they're removing like some of the classes and breaking them down into more broader things. Like there used to be subsections for different weapons. Now, like in Skyrim, it's just all under melee. You know, uh, and it's kind of the simplification of the games are what the diehard people don't like, because with Oblivion, you're also Oblivion's going to open on Xbox 360, 
which is like a big deal. These have always kind of been more of a PC thing. So, and now they're going to be, they're at like the Xbox events premiering gameplay footage. And it's just kind of a different world. And this, I think this is the pivot though. I just want to say kind of like from Morrowind to Oblivion for these games. I agree. Once, uh, once Morrowind uh, had come out, uh, it was released on March 21st, 2006. Developers already began working on Oblivion, uh, which focused on providing a tighter storyline, as Fred just uh, mentioned, more developed characters, and make more information in the game more accessible to newer players. So it features improved AI, improved physics, improved graphics. Uh, Bethesda developed and implemented procedural content creation tools in the creation of Oblivion's terrain, leading to landscapes that are more complex and more realistic than those of the past titles. But they also had less of a drain on their staff. So I'll never get upset that a studio is like, maybe we should give our guys a break because we've probably been definitely whip. I mean, the 100 man years thing on Daggerfall still just sticks in my brain. Yeah. Sure. So then it was in August 2010, uh, 2010, August 2010, Todd Howard, our guy here, Todd Howard, who is a... uh, a uh, designer, director, producer uh, at Bethesda behind a lot of the, the Elder Scrolls games, kind of the, the brainchild of it, um, revealed that Bethesda was working on a game that had been in development since the release of Oblivion, and that progress was very far along at that time. So while the game was conceptualized after Oblivion's release, uh, they had held it off and restricted it until uh, a, a little game called Fallout 3 was being released. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So by this point, Bethesda was becoming a thing with uh, between the releases of Fallout and uh, and the Elder Scrolls. I do just want to hop and say with Oblivion, you were talking about all the updates. They also had mm-hmm. like a big voice cast, like they were bringing in like actors and stuff, like uh, Patrick. Yeah, Stewart. man. Oh, dude, do that opening uh, intro for the game. It's such like. Open the gates of oblivion. Like, oh, shut. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we should definitely definitely dive into some of the voice cast because the the top build people on here are, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. So it was then at, in December of 2010, that uh, Todd Howard appeared and announced that the name of the game was Skyrim. So Skyrim was then released a year later, or almost a year later, on November 11th, 2011, to widespread critical acclaim. It was awarded Game of the Year by basically every outlet imaginable, becoming kind of the the mainstay there. However, as Eric has been talking about, then on May 3rd, 2012, they uh, were feeling themselves and uh, brought on The Elder Scrolls Online. So it was released on Windows and macOS systems on April 14th or April 4th, 2014. And then uh, also followed it with an Xbox One and PlayStation 4 versions shortly after in 2014, but that ended up getting delayed till 2015. <laughs> so the game um, originally required a subscription to play, but that requirement was dropped about a year later. <laughs> so th- there is a subscription service entitled ESO Plus, which grants access to all co- current and future downloadable content. So fast forward a few years later, 
and lots of developments and spinoffs that I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about a little bit more in extent. But uh, recently in 2021, it was announced that the Elder Scrolls Six will be coming out after Fable, that they just were uh, announcing a brand new Fable game that just got some play uh, over the weekend, not to date this podcast. Um, got a full trailer. So we were getting pretty close, and it was confirmed in June 2022 that the game is still in pre-production. This uh, Elder Scrolls Six that may or may not be called... What is it, Eric? I think... I know it's being... I think it's Redfall. I think it's... I know it's being set in Hammerfell. Mm. I think that's been... That's been agreed on by everybody who's seen the trailers and the teasers. Does this mean we're going to have to get Xboxes? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to get Xboxes. And they're pushing Fable in front of this. Because like they, like they're... They're almost done with Starfield. That's about to come out. Mm-hmm. And then they got to do Fable. And then the other Scrolls 6. Wow. Yeah, which it's a lot. It's, I mean, it's a lot of what they have going. I mean, and even though I only kind of highlighted <laughs> the development of the main installments, I mean, there are probably close to 20 different versions of the game. Uh, yeah. You know, there's Dagger, if I mentioned, you know, Battlespire, Redguard. There's Elder Scrolls Three Tribunal, Blood Moon, Stormhold, Dawnstar, Shadow Key, Elder Scrolls Travels Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Four, Knights of the Nine, Shivering Isles, <laughs> Skyrim Dawnguard, Skyrim Hearthfire, Skyrim Dragonborn. Then we have the Elder Scrolls Online. Then we had the Elder Scrolls Legends, Skyrim VR. Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind, Elder Scrolls Online Somerset, Elder Scrolls Online Elsewhere, Elder Scrolls Blades, Elder Scrolls Online Greymore, Elder Scrolls Online Blackwood, Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim Anniversary Edition, Elder Scrolls Online High Isle, and to be announced then is our Elder Scrolls Six game, maybe or maybe not, Hammerfell, maybe something around Hammerfell. (laughs) So... That piece. Yeah, elsewhere, man. That's where the uh, the cats come from. Ooh, the cat, the Khajiit. Yeah, the Khajiit. The the cat uh, people of 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 uh, Tamriel. That's their country. Is elsewhere. elsewhere. Would you be surprised, Tom, that I uh, like to be the cat every time I play? Not shocked at all. <laughs> love, love those cats. As an owner mm. of two cats, I can <laughs> see that 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 would be no doubt. So now that we, we've touched on a little bit of the history, a longer history than uh, I think most would expect, but, you know, kind of getting back to a few of the titles, maybe just, we can touch on them a little bit further, you know, and we've yeah. kind of talked about it a little bit in advance, but, you know, we talked about Morrowind really being a turning point. What are some of the things beyond just sort of the, the newer features that brought out, or maybe the simplification of the story that some longtime fans didn't like? that really started to bring you think like the series into what it is now and why, you know, it is becoming so renowned because certainly there are so many elements that I think we just touched on very, very briefly that it's like, Oh yeah, I can think of 20 other games that use systems like that. Now, why elder scrolls? Why is it that much more? I think part of it is they were one of the first ones that kind of did it mainstream. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, yeah, like for me, like Oblivion was the first time I got to like choose a class 
you know, and uh, also then like refine how that character actually like I didn't like what what are all of these how much research do I and reading do I have to do before I start a game usually it's like oh the bad guy took the thing so uh I'd never seen that before mm. so I think you know being the first the first one on the market kind of stakes a claim as to being recognizable for it sure so I, you know that way they just kind of knocked it at you know, at the right time what are some of the classes in these games? Because you mentioned the cat people from elsewhere. What else can you be? Uh, well, those are races. There's, there's. Oh, okay. Oh, shoot. sorry. Hold on. <laughs> so there's, uh, I don't remember how many different, but there's uh, Argonians, which are lizard people. There's the Khajiit, which are the cat people. There's, uh, uh, there's like three different types of elves, and then four different people subsects. Right, because there's the Britons, the Red Guards, uh, the Nords, um, and then there's like the High Elves, the Dark Elves, the Green, the uh, the Wood Elves. I almost said Green Elf. Wood Elves, yeah. <laughs> what else? And then all of those can be different <laughs> types of classes. So you can have like a Mage, or you can have a a Thief, or you can have um, You know, a warrior. Mm-hmm. Nice. They're pretty much three basic ones, right? Kind of like everything you would expect to find in like a yeah, like a Dungeons and Dragons game or like Final Fantasy, right? Like different types of mages, different types of you know thief or whatever it might be or bandit. In some games, right? Yeah, and I think like you know, Blue Game there's like rogue and all those mm-hmm. other ones. Love a thief, too. love a bandit. And then they got rid of that in Skyrim. Oh. And it's just like, what's, what, what standing stones no. do you want to stand underneath uh, for now? And then you get that blessing, and then you can change it later on. Whereas with Skyrim, you locked it, or with Oblivion, you locked it in, and that was your gameplay for the whole time. You couldn't change your, your special stuff halfway through. Wow. And so you, I mean, so then you basically get all these different versions of characters that you can be, and does it affect your skill sets at all? Like, let's say you are one of those races and you mix that with a certain class. Are some more attuned to those classes than others would be? Like, would some of the the lizard people be more akin to being like a warrior? Yeah. Yeah, if you want to stealth build, do a Khajiit for sure. I think the cats are more sneaky. Yeah, because they can like they can see in in the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right there, there's where you don't have to have like a torch or anything like that. Um, I think uh, like on the opposite, like there's the orc uh, uh, race, mm-hmm. which they're great for like a tank build. Like if you really just want someone to go in there with like a double. Warhammer and just like uh you know and they even have like bonuses where like you can do like berserk where all of a sudden like you have a whole bunch of extra like adrenaline and you just like smash for actor like uh endurance swings nice uh but on the flip side you probably don't want to play an orc as like a thief because you know they don't have the same kind of sneak bonuses right off the bat sure sure okay so there's 
there's definitely I can kind of see where maybe Skyrim tried to simplify that system a little bit. Like you probably want to be somewhere in these, but I could also see why people would get upset though. If yeah, you want to be able to do magic, yeah. right? No matter what you do, you're going to end up, uh, you know, having a, a sneak bow attack sometimes because it's just so damn efficient. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Sure. I love the bow and arrow in Skyrim. It is like and just sneak attacks with the bow, getting critical hits. It's what life's about. <laughs> so what what are the classes that are the I should say, what races and classes do you both tend to go for in your characters? I always go I, I always end up being either uh, a dark elf. Because they have fire resistance, which is really health uh, uh, helpful, uh, or um, or honestly, it's split between the Oregonians and the Khajiits. Mm-hmm. Like I'm either a lizard person or a cat person. <laughs> uh, the whole whole playthrough. Love it. Um, yeah, but usually I, I'm I'm an archer with magic. Uh, so uh, there's been <laughs> there's been a couple times, and honestly, like I'll play the same character. And see them like morph into five different types of characterizations and stuff by the end of it. But um yeah, like I, I always like doing the like where you just end up like messing around a little bit too much. Like I, I like getting the uh the the spells where like you can kind of like send rage at other people and then you just sit aside. And you just like shoot a rage spell at some bandits, and then you watch one of them just start pummeling the guy next to him. Uh, and then you know, when they're done, fighting, <laughs> oh, yeah, then you come in and you just loot everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's good great. stuff, yeah. I do that, I love it so good. I just love there's always, always like, like four different approaches you can go at. I mean, and I think that is something that's great about a lot of gaming now that they are giving you more of like the option to like brute force your way through it or you can be tactical. And I think, you know, one of the games that started adapting that system, probably looking at a game like the Elder Scrolls was like the Arkham Asylum and Arkham City games where it's like you can either bowl in there as Batman and just start taking down a room full of thugs or you can start picking them off one by one, which is so much. Yeah, like uh, Skyrim had uh, stealth in it, but it's not like the best stealth, but it's it's as much as you need because like it has, I don't know if you guys remember when you play, it's like you're crouched and you have the eyeball. If someone can see you on the screen, there's like an eyeball in the middle. And then like if you're hidden, the eyeball like closes and it's like just a slit. And I just love that as you're like sneaking up, the eyeball gets a little bigger. Oh, nope, you're going to hide. <laughs> and yeah, I'm always a cat or an Argonian because like I'm a person every day and it's just fine. I'd rather be like a cat or a lizard <laughs> if I'm playing a game like this. That's great. What what class then do you usually go for? Don't quite remember the classes. I will say I spend most of my time. I'd either have my bow. I'd be shooting people far away. Or I'd be like a two-handed sword guy, like one in each hand, just kind of coming at someone, just attacking. I like it. I didn't really mess with the magic too much. No, you're more of a you're more of the uh, the physical skills versus your mana or anything. It's like I'm either taking them out from afar, I'm being stealthy, or I'm just coming at you with two knives as quick as I can. <laughs> 
Like I love daggers. Yeah, the the two-handed uh animations for for Skyrim and in Oblivion uh those two I I love watching them cuz it's so like that's another thing. You never saw a character was doing that. You know, like where you just stab stab and then they turn and slice like it was great. It was so cool like I'm watching that happen when I was first playing it the first time. And now you see it all the time, but like this is revolution. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like having action in an RPG in general was not a thing. Like I was saying before, that's what kept me away from them. And just having, like, especially you mentioned Fable really kind of opened my eyes to like, you can have it both ways, you can have good story <laughs> and you can be like just attacking people. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a turn at some point in time, I think, because in a lot of people's minds back in the day an RPG was turn-based. Like, I think, you know, Final Fantasy is one of the, the more famous ones, or Dragon Quest, or um, even look at, you know, like, uh, some of the tactical games, like Fire Emblem. Like, it's like, oh, sit, plan your move, plan your attack, and then it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, nope, you're out in the field, here's your menu, go at it. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a big change because suddenly it's like, yeah, there's a there's almost a hit of adrenaline that goes in with all your strategy, and you have to kind of pre-plan before you ever get into any battle, right? Like, here's what I need. Here's what I'm going to have. I can't sit there and think about how is this enemy going to do it, which was such a staple of, like, a Dungeons & Dragons pen and paper game back in the day, right? Where it's like, okay, you've come across this bridge that's broken. What is your next move? And then you have to roll the dice see if it works, right? And also, you had companions in Mm -hmm. these games. I never really had, like, backup or helpers that you could interact with as the story progressed in any other video game before I started playing Oblivion and and Skyrim. How big does your party get? Uh, Traditionally, it's just one extra companion. Mm -hmm. Um, But with mods and stuff, you can bury that and get a bunch um interesting yeah i had, I had a whole care <laughs> I, I have uh i have uh or there's also like there's special characters in skyrim like you can just kind of collect their quests and they'll just follow you around mm. for a while but like there's the the barbus uh there's the dog which is part of one of the daedric princes um um Clavicus Vile. And so, like, he, you have to follow him to do some quest or whatever to find a thing and then bring it back. So you can pick him up. There's the vampire uh, daughter, Serana, that you can pick up, and she becomes a companion of yours. Uh, So I have both of them following me around right now in my game. Plus, I downloaded the uh, Inigo uh, mod, which is another Khajiit follower. It just follows you around and has a bunch of like really snarky things to say about everything that happens. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, so that Sorry. just happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like the sarcastic uh, friend. Uh, there's hey, someone was... behind me, isn't there? <laughs> right. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh... I like it. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a way to get a pretty good sized posse 
uh in these games rolling around yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into some talk about some of the mods here shortly i did want to ask though about some of the journeying though that you do um and how it varies and how your gameplay varies whether you choose to do the the good good guy route versus the the more evil route and how how does the experience with the game change? And maybe we can talk about. I don't know if it makes sense to talk about one game or the other, or if you want to even compare a few of them. But like how that that experience has changed between like Morrowind or all the way to like Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, uh, I I usually kind of play a good guy character. Honestly, like I've tried to go bad, but I still feel shitty about it. Even <laughs> like I know I'm here to be help, yeah. Oh, here's your here's your gold or dog. <laughs> just way too guilty. <laughs> I know, I know, it's so stupid. I know. I I don't know if you guys ever play the uh like telltale games or anything like that, where you have to like make the the conversation choices. <laughs> no. So there's like these games like where I mean it's basically a visual novel and the whole game mechanic is that like you you're you're building relationships with people and you're responding in certain ways so they'll get three options for a response and one is like very catty or one is very supportive and one is very like indifferent and I always like I always find it funny when I, I play these games and it's like I know what I want to say to these people, but I always end up taking the high road. I'm like, no, I'll be supportive. Like <laughs> it's like <laughs> like I'm just like, God, I'm so fucking positive. Like, why can't I just tell somebody off and be like, you know what? No, you're a dick. Like and, but it's like the character the story always changes depending on how you treat a character. And they're like, Oh, they'll remember you said that. It's like yeah. well, <laughs> like, yeah i always love that <laughs> i know so don't, don't worry eric it's uh it, it happens to the best of us i think there's there's that no, altruistic it, side yeah there you go it's just it's a it's a sign that we are too good of people yeah yeah i like to be a thief i like to steal shit from people when i play these games uh you'll find me at the thieves guild hanging um no, I do always start as good, and I always have the plan. I'm just gonna wait for that one life event that's gonna put me down the wrong road. I'm like, I always go for like a Darth Vader sort of, you know. I'm gonna be good to like halfway, and then someone's gonna not look at me right in the pub, and like from there on, I'm just gonna be a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so you. That's just that's just good plot, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun that you can make that turn at any point. So. As a thief, though, are you, I mean, can you do an altruistic thief or is it always sort of like, well, you're kind of living in shades of gray with that role? That's kind of what I think it is, because you have like that, the thieves guild who they'll, I mean, they'll tell you they're the good guys, but Mm -hmm. you really believe them? They're thieves. (laughs) Well, that, you know, that's okay. So that's the thing between Oblivion and Skyrim. Again, I think you get to play an altruistic thief in Oblivion. Hmm. For the, for the like they like there's a couple of quests where you're literally like hey go steal from the treasury and give it back to the people of this neighborhood because they got fucked in their taxes and uh in skyrim it's just like hey go steal from this other thief who stole from us like, <laughs> 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 like it's still great and amazing uh but 
uh yeah no you don't get to really explore like the moral dilemma of being a thief or like this is the only option that you you know like yeah i don't know again for me the thieves guild storyline in uh oblivion is better than the thieves guild in in skyrim yeah can we maybe talk a little bit about that maybe between both of you guys so i guess with you eric is since you've played both what is it that really highlights oblivion is sort of like the favorite of maybe most people over even like a game that was so widely awarded and lauded like skyrim like what 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 all what were all the aspects beyond the you know maybe more broad choices was you know was there more to it though that it was like this game just really got it a little bit better it yes you know it's it's funny like for uh i mean obviously the reason it got all the awards was it's it's breathtaking and and all (laughs) the detail and the scope of it but for whatever reason like the accomplishments like closing out all the different radiant quest lines like the the thieves guild quest line i kind of felt disappointed at the end of the skyrim thieves Guild quest line because it's mm-hmm. like you beat the bad guy by how oh, whatever so now you're the head of the thing look you know whereas with the oblivion mm-hmm. thieves guild you help the guy that is like the gray fox and he's cursed to have been forgotten by everyone in his life so that he can be the best thief in the world by assuming his role and like he can then reconnect with his wife and his family and stuff like so like just the story arc that you're given is i think more rewarding and i could say the same thing for like the mages guild uh, uh quest line in oblivion is way more rewarding like you get to find this big deal whereas with like the mage's quest line in, in Skyrim is you're pretty much just like handed the job of being the dean of the college after like five quests. And it's like, that's it. <laughs> and it's just that over and over and over again. Like it's it's there's a lot of promise, but there's never the kind of payout uh, that you get that you got in Oblivion for me. Mm. So that, that's what that's what tips it. If if I'm being a you know a connoisseur of the games, which is why you've brought me here. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say Skyrim why I think some of those like the those kind of missions fall short at the end because they're trying to have this kind of big cinematic story at the helm with the dragons and all that. Which when we were talking about why is there so much success to these games. I can tell you part of the reason why Skyrim was extra successful was a little show called Game of Thrones. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, who doesn't like dragons, man? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. So there were a lot more dragons in Skyrim, is what you're telling me. There were. Well, there I'm just thinking no that dragons plot of movie. dragons. Oh, no. <laughs> <So>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're hitting on something big though, Fred. I, you know, the, I mean, I kind of think of it in the same way as like superhero movies and shows and everything, like really escalating comic books too. I think shows like game of Thrones and 
to an extent, even like Lord of the Rings, which was before it, really brought like fantasy and you know adventure, like sci-fi into the forefront in a way that it never was pre two thousand. Like it's definitely, and it's now it's so high in demand. That's why Elden Ring was such a phenomenon. I know we keep coming back to that, but it's the most recent example of people latching onto another story that was written by George R. R. Martin, right? Like, so here you have, right? you know, the, the, the exact example of that, of literally like, well, why don't we take what we did with Elder Scrolls and just get the guy that did you know, Lord of the Rings <laughs> to do it. So, right. And it's good. You brought up Lord of the Rings because Oblivion, I, mean, I believe, uh, is very indebted to the Lord of the Rings. They bring it up in their documentary. People working on Oblivion are literally saying like, oh, you know, we want people to see some of Lord of the Rings in this. <laughs> like the end, like I saw some of the end very sore on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The Oblivion Gates. Uh, I mean, that is the Sauron's eye on the top of the thing. Yeah, well, this, this is the spoiler alert for everybody right now before we get any further. But oh, yeah, yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, the big glowing eye in the Lord of the Rings movie is the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the eye that fills kind of a door frame in Oblivion. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, oh, okay, that's another great thing I loved about Oblivion is those damn Oblivion gates kept popping up all the time. Like, it was, like, it was, again, the reason the game would go on forever. Because, like, you just, you could never stop. It was like a whack-a-mole where you would just jump to a different dimension and get all of this great overpowered gear that you could sell for a shit ton of gold back in the regular game world. And then you close it out. Oh, yeah, sorry. Just another reason why I love Oblivion more. <laughs> oh, no. I'm glad you brought up money. I'm glad you brought up money because I want to know, like, do you do you like to um, collect stacks when you play these games? You like making some moolah? Because I know I love that. I love just kind of like when I play Grand Theft Auto, like getting like good gear and getting like selling stuff and just kind of creating wealth, buying houses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love uh I mean, I, for the most part, like a lot of the gold that I get is just the stuff that I collect and find in different things. I don't do a lot of trading and selling. Uh, but when I start, like one of the things that I do, like when I start to do, like if I need to get a good amount of cash is like, I'll go from uh, one town to another and I'll just... Like I'll buy a couple of things from one caravan and I'll take it to a different city and I'll sell it. And I'll actually try to like actually do a merchant pile thing. Cause it does two things. First off, it gives you all of the fast travel points, to all the different cities. Mm-hmm. And second, it's a great way to kind of like build a little bit of a coin purse before you go out and be like, okay, now I can buy suitable armor to go fight the main thing. Hmm. So, this is probably a dumb question to be asking later. And on. you're building stats too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you dude, whenever I'm running around, I'm jumping. I don't I don't uh I don't just walk <laughs> all over the place. Actually building up stats. Yeah, because it builds <laughs> up your agility all the time. Yeah. So this is sort of a dumb question to ask, but I guess my 
my understanding was always that you can get a different experience or, or kind of a, as we've been talking about you get a different experience based on whatever you know class you are you know what race whatever like good evil story you go through whatever but so is there still though like a main storyline that's pretty like set in stone no matter what choices you make for each of these games yeah yeah i mean and they're definitely like established like canon like this is what happened at the oblivion break before you get into skyrim like they had to actually say like this is one of the things that certainly occurred okay um, <clears throat> so yeah so like with with Oblivion, if you're going to play the main quest, you're going to eventually beat the Daedric Prince that's opening up all of these gates. And once you finish that quest line, all of the Oblivion gates stop opening up everywhere. And then you're just free to roam around and do whatever you want. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And the same thing in Oblivion. No matter what you choose to do, you will be the dragonborn and if you accept those quests you will beat the big dragon that's fighting everybody and you'll beat the game and then you'll be free to just wander around and do whatever the hell you want and continue you know being the see i don't know it's weird because i always end up 100 percenting the game like almost every time i do a playthrough like wow I'll... yeah like, like not a hundred percenting it, but like I'll I'll be the head of the mages guild, the head of the thieves guild, the head of the fighters guild, or the companions guild, or whatever. You know, I'll be a yarrow in every single one of the different towns. Uh, you know, uh, just because the quest lines naturally kind of I think lead you through that. Like you can't just do one or the other. Um, yeah, that's impressive, though. <laughs> I assume Definitely. that's not everybody's experience is that they go down and try to do everything. No. no I never beat it. You <gasps> never beat it? I never beat it. Oh, dude. Well, Eric just told you how <laughs> Skyrim ends. No, I, I right, know. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I got I get beat. <laughs> well, I like became a vampire for a little while and that was a real rough life. You know, you had to like <laughs> suck people's blood or your health would go away. You lose was power. Pal in the okay, sun? let me ask you this: Was Falion hard to find for you? Oh, I was. I was using the internet to do stuff like this. Like, I I don't use that too much. But when I heard, "Oh, you can be a vampire. Oh, you can be a werewolf," I definitely was like, "How do I do these things?" Because I becoming a werewolf was a way to go. Being a vampire was kind of lame. But... Well, that's what I'm saying. Like when you wanted to like cure yourself of vampirism, finding oh, one man. guy in the world that could do it pain in the ass right oh yeah well it was more like i had a list online of like all right these are the things you have to do to get rid of your vampirism and i was like oh so oh, much okay. regret i shouldn't have done that no i i didn't no i didn't i didn't do it that way i talked to a bunch of people in different taverns until i heard a rumor <laughs> <laughs> rumors wow. I, I see there's something wrong with your eyes maybe someone you should go Talk to Fallon. <laughs> I know a good optometrist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Should go see Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we got the main gist of those two. And then Marwin, it sounds like, did have kind of a main quest there too as well, where it's like there's a, a you're on Spartanville. 
which is an island in the Dummer, which is the Dark Elf province of Morrowind. And concern the central quest is around like a demigod named Dagath Ur, who's housed within the volcanic Red Mountain, who seeks to gain power and break Morrowind free from Imperial reign. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of freedom I hear in that game where of how you can approach like any of the story and any of the missions. It's kind of like, oh, you have to go talk to this guy across the way. Good luck with that. And then you're kind of set on your way. Skyrim is like you're in like a opening scene of a movie. You can't you're not quite in control. You're just looking around. It's kind of like the modern game conventions. The stuff that I do like, you know, like <laughs> I'm definitely I'm definitely the kind of person who needs a little hand holding but uh yeah it sounds like morrowind was definitely like oh you figure out what this game is we're not going to tell you right yeah which yeah i think i i I, the more we talk the more it's starting to become very apparent why players were getting who have been with the franchise for a while were frustrated like i could see them being like yeah i want autonomy to do whatever i want and not have to like go and hit the cinematic scene breakpoint that you would get in like a lot of mainline stories like i mean i'm playing uh star wars jedi survivor right now and it's very much a yes there's side quests you can do but ultimately you have to come back to a point and continue (laughs) on the main storyline and it'll get an fmv break (laughs) you know in order to continue on what you're watching or playing yeah does it have our favorite type of character that urges you to stop doing whatever you feel like doing and keep doing the game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely... I know we talked about this before. There's definitely one character that is like, you know, if you want to go around and do something, that's fine. I'm staying in the ship. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So that's there... the... Yeah. I love that so much. Like I got talked about like on the like Harry Potter game I played growing up. Anytime you'd walk around the castle, Ron, just a wet blanket, like we really need to get to your you know, potions class. You know? <laughs> and he would say that like over and over again. It's like, dude, I just want to walk around, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's true. I which I I really appreciated in God of War recently. I don't know if you guys both played uh, God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> But yes. the the best feature they could in there, and it, it, obviously they amped up the the patterns a little too quick, I felt like. But whenever you went off the main trail and everybody you're with, or especially your son, would call out that, oh, that's my dad. He just likes to loot. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, and I'm just kind of, I feel bad making everyone wait. I yeah. know. They're like, you're like, oh, shit, they're calling out my looting now. <laughs> so there's one more i want to talk about a little bit further before we start really getting into the idea of mods and some of this coulda woulda shoulda that i think kind of goes with it but Mm -hmm. elder scrolls online then eric so you mentioned that you kind of come into a more of a prequel but is there a lot more of that autonomy that people were looking for from like the oblivion era versus skyrim um No, I don't think so. I don't know. I I don't like it. I don't I don't like the Elder Scrolls online. Wow. As much as the others. Um I mean it again, it's beautiful. It looks great. I I uh I think I got spoiled with voice acting in Skyrim, and they don't have that in the Elder Scrolls online. Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, so you just have to read their 
the the text <clears throat> and i don't like that i don't like um i don't like the fact that there's a thousand other people running around in the same world that i'm playing it you know mm-hmm. yeah. um, so like i honestly i haven't explored that game a lot not only that but like the button controls are different than Ooh. all their other games you know what i mean so i'm very used to like you shoot this you shoot that i never i've never taken the time to bother with it and i also i got kind of pissed off about the whole subscription thing at the beginning so uh that also was like i'll just put it on the back burner like i got the game i got the disc i played a little bit of it i got an idea for it don't care for it don't care. wow are uh, you guys online gamers <laughs> in general or not really so outside of Elder Scrolls Online, do you like to play ever online? Or are you mostly like, nope, I want this on my console so I can just play my journey? Yes. Yeah, I'm that. I'm that player. I don't like. I don't like sharing my virtual world with other people. <laughs> same, same thing with like I'm playing uh, No Man's Sky a lot right now, and they have like you can partner up with a whole bunch of people from around the world and solve this big mission and they're like nope just me later i'm gonna go survey this entire planet by myself because that's that's why i'm playing this video game (laughs) you know um so i don't know like that that just kind of it turned me off from it and also like that and uh the elder scroll blades like any of those that have all those extra like micro purchases Mm -hmm. where it's like go to the game store and you can get this stuff to help get you more immersed in a game that you've already pulled yourself out of to purchase shit. You know, like any of that I'm done with, you know, so that I didn't like it very much. Yeah. I don't like, um, for these kind of games, I don't like online game or I don't like the online play. Like, especially I'm going to invoke it again in Elden ring characters can get an item where you can go into someone else's game and attack them and that happened to me the other day. I'm just like, dude, I'm trying to do my own thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. I mean, I do enjoy, like, I used to love playing games like Call of Duty and this and that. But what you just talked about, Eric, is the problem. There are these microtransactions, these crates that I get. Like, oh, you got to open these three crates that got nothing in them. <laughs> and like... Mm-hmm. I'd rather drop, like, I would still be, like, a Call of Duty person. I enjoy playing shooting games like that, but they've gotten so messy with all that crap. I don't really play with them. The only online game I stand by and always recommend is Dead by Daylight. I love Mm, that as an online game experience. Good things about that. Maybe this fall, maybe we'll play a little bit of that for the pod. I think it'd be fun. I try to get anyone to get in on that to play because it's not something I expect people wanting to play all the time. But it is kind of fun. It gives you, if you ever played like Ghost of the Graveyard or like Nighttime Tag, mm-hmm. it's like that as a game. It gives you kind of that adrenaline rush, and it, it's a good time. That does sound fun. But yeah, I'm totally with you guys, though, too. I Especially for fantasy games, I don't want to play online with people. I'm That's why World of Warcraft, I know some people got completely sucked into that. I was like, you'll never get me on that game because I will just get irritated trying to play with other people. <laughs> like, not not that mm-hmm. type of game. A shooting game, like like land parties back at Halo days, all that. Like you're just talking about with Call of Duty. Sure, yeah, I'm I'm all aboard, and I I love tagging people and playing like you know like capture the flag or whatever too. That's fun, but yeah, nothing like that. So 
I guess that kind of gets us, though, to our coulda, woulda, shoulda segment where we can maybe talk about some of these mods and maybe what, what are some things that, I guess, what's available now with the mods and is there anything you would dream about doing further with those? Maybe, Eric, if you want to kind of talk us through what, what kind of mods there are. You mentioned the, the party expansion, which is interesting. Yeah, I got, well, I mean... Dude, these days in the the mods that are out there, you can literally do almost anything. Really? Um, oh, God, yeah. I mean, they have... My favorite mod... Okay, so they have all different types of mods, too. They have, like, environmental enhancement mods. Uh, they have um, mods that are, like, just purely aesthetics. Like, you can change your, your character to be, uh, like, they make them look like an anime character or just, like, really smooth out, give it almost like the Unreal Engine type of uh, definition. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also, like, people that will make full-on quests and new areas and, uh, like, just even build even more. Like, one of, my, one of my favorite mods that is out there is called The Forgotten City. Which mm. is uh, it literally? I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for you. But the setup is is that your character finds uh, essentially the city that is in a, a Dwemer cave. And if you don't know much about the Dwemer, the Dwemer is a a, a lost race of elves that lived underground. They're kind of like the dwarves, but they were an elven race. And they were um, amazingly technologically advanced. And then the jury is kind of out as to why. But one day, uh, the entire race vanished. Just bleeped out of existence. Either because their leader messed with the Heart of Lorcan, And uh, that was uh, just kind of brought them all to the realization that they were all part of reality and not a permanent to it. And so then they just kind of faulted out. Or they pissed off one of the gods and they're like, because of your arrogance, you are now no longer in existence. Or they just got bumped into a pocket reality of, of oblivion that no one knows anything about and we don't know if they're ever going to be seen again. Um, but the point is, is they left behind when they just blinked out of existence. They left all of their caves and their technology behind. And one of those caves people found and they built a city inside of. But they got caught in a time loop where essentially they have to always follow the rules of these like statued heads that are on the walls. Mm -hmm. And if anyone ever breaks one of these unspoken morality rules, these fire, like all of a sudden all these like Dwemer robots come out and just burn the entire city to the ground. And your job is to uncover what's wrong with this city to stop this loop from happening. So like you get magically transported to the city and you are stuck in this time loop. And if you make a mistake, you get to see all of these robots come out and just decimate everyone around you. You die, respawn back at the beginning of the quest line and have to start the whole thing over again. Wow. Until you finally Yeah, it's really, really deep. And the and the and the directions that it take you, it takes you is um like it's more thought out than than anything else that I've played in a long time. And it's such a cool like detective story 
on top of it. Cause like, it's just clues and talking to people and figuring out like there's one, one thing that you can do to correct this whole thing and get everything to be rebalanced in time again. So yeah, so that's one. There's mods that you can go, there's actually one where like you get a rocket that will follow you in space and you <laughs> like call down uh, uh, fights uh, or like attacks on your, on your people. There's all different races. There's uh, a different uh, group of, uh, of, of uh, automaton creatures that live in the center of the world that someone created and made a mod for. And mm-hmm. you can go down and help them preserve the towers of the world so the entire nerd just collapses on itself. Oh. And there's also ones where, like, you know, all of a sudden all of the dragons are like Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> throw back to an old episode of ours <laughs> yeah so, um i did want to <laughs> whatever you want whatever you want yeah super mario brothers you can go into the super mario brothers world oh in wow as a bot down i like that yeah so like you see like big goombas and you can run all the way around them and jump mm-hmm. on top of them pick up hammers <laughs> that's all, all awesome I love it, man. They're you really there. The sky's the limit, like, mm-hmm. or the sky rims the limit. Hey, yeah, I was yeah, hoping yeah. you were going to say that. <laughs> That's another thing they're doing. Uh, they, there's a whole like sky oblivion. They're actually rebuilding oblivion in the Skyrim engine. Oh wow. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Which that's, that's like I've been following that story for years. It's still like a bunch of years off from them completing it but they're like redoing every asset there you know, all the people all the buildings all the grass i mean that right sounds here. like a big could of what it should have here is just people wanting sure. an oblivion remake right <laughs> i would i want to see that same thing with with all of them i would i would love to play morrowind in morrowind's the one i want to check out for sure yeah i do with updated uh, modern day graphics Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. I mean, and it's so popular right now, too, that so many games are going through remakes. Um, I mean, the Resident Evil series, like, that's been getting such yeah. grand applause from everybody about how much they love the remakes. Um, I mean, like, Metal Gear Solid is getting remakes now. I think we just saw Persona, one of the, the early ones, is getting a remake. And, you know, it's a lot of, like, fun games that are trying to be brought into the, the next generation here. And, yeah, it seems like everything I'm hearing is, like, yeah, Elder Scrolls is the obvious one that mm-hmm. might take some time, but it's going to be well worth it. Yeah. A big a big one I'm looking forward to is uh, I never played these games, but I think, like, a remade version will be right up my alley or the Silent Hill games. I think Silent Hill 2 is getting remade. It is, yeah. Yeah. And that, Tom, you didn't ask me. Um, what mods I like. <laughs> Fred, what kind of mods do you like? Slaps only. Uh, I like paintball mode. Boo. You shoot some arrows and it's paintball. <laughs> DK head, make the head real big, the arms super long. <laughs> oh my gosh. Gold, but golden guns only, so that's one shot kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have one thing that was not really a mod, but kind of a glitch that people took advantage of. And it was either Morrowind, or no, it was either Oblivion or Elder Scrolls, or excuse me, Skyrim. There's a fork and knife 
that is supposed to just be on a table you can't interact with and people were able to use it as weapons so there's videos where people have leveled up these forks and knives and they're like you know we talked about the two-handed daggers imagine just like a fork and knife just getting in there getting taking care of business oh hilarious. yeah man you can do that with your fishing rod too you can use that as a weapon let him cook. Let him cook. <laughs> Give me a fishing rod. Yeah. I did want to jump in, though, because, Eric, when you said the Forgotten City, that triggered something in my brain. The Forgotten City, I'm pretty sure, got adapted into a full game. Like, it's not just a mod anymore from Skyrim. It's actually, like, I think got brought into, like, Nintendo Switch and PlayStation oh, as, wow. like, an own standalone version of the game. Yeah, and it's got oh, a lot like, of great reviews i didn't realize it was a <laughs> elder scrolls mod that's that it's the same thing it's the same thing and uh yeah that's wonderful yeah they, it, it, it's it's such a good story that makes a lot of sense that you could breathe that into a full game just by itself i mean that's well done. Good guys. Cool. Well, something Bethesda was talking about with the mods were that they did have a program or a setup where they were getting some money to some of these people who were making these projects. I wonder if that was one of them. I heard there was a lot of downside to this that they ended up just kind of profiting off of these people more than actually paying them. Mm-hmm. But it is nice that they made the attempt, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's a really kind of slippery slope to navigate as far as like what you like how are we what is it right i guess yeah it's a two-edged sword because in the one hand it's like you're promoting creators who are maybe finding stories in your property that are more interesting than maybe your own team has even been able to discover because they're probably already thinking about the next project already right like they don't want to spend more time on skyrim expanding it but Yeah, you have fans who have plenty of time, have the ability to write. But yeah, then it's like if the creators embrace this, you know, right, obviously they're going to give them a platform, but then it's also going to be probably played by their rules, right? And like, oh, and we're going to take a little bit out of the pocket because, you know, that's our that's our IP that you're using right there. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So um, bef- before we uh, moved on a little further, I want to like ask something that maybe we'll put a pin in for like the ultra future. I did want to ask Eric if he uh, played any of the Fallout games. Ooh. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I, uh, I played all of the Fallout. <laughs> hey, well, nice. no, I can't say that either. I haven't played one or two because, again, I don't have uh, a gaming PC. I only played stuff on consoles, but I have played uh, all the other Fallouts. I played uh, Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, which is by far my favorite. Fallout 4, 76, uh, the the Vaults one, mm-hmm. whatever that, the you know, the mobile game one. You're, you're the second person that I've heard say Las Vegas is like kind of like a hidden gem of oh, those games. Last game. Look. Yeah, uh, New Vegas and especially the DLCs of New Vegas, I think were great. Uh, yeah, just and, and again, it's all because of the story. You're following around this other courier who's been who's all pissed off at you because he you ruined his world somehow. Like just the way that the information is dropped, uh, it's fantastic. It's way better than Fallout 3's expansion packs. Like it was so cool. But not as cool 
as like, oh, you get to go up into an actual alien spaceship in New Vegas, whereas mm-hmm. you know, Fallout Three, you get to go into a simulator. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, well, I did just want to ask that and maybe put a pin into like a, I mean, the future, future episode, mm-hmm. you know, could happen. Oh, oh, there's some pointing going on, and I see a, um, he's not a big boy. He's um, God, the word stud muffin came in my brain. I don't know why that came Glad from. Lad. He's a best boy. <laughs> that works. What's the name of that guy uh, with the blonde hair? Vault guy, vault boy, vault boy, yeah. Which it's pretty unmistakable when you see it, which Eric has on his shelf. Uh, we can see right now. <laughs> yeah, if you want to talk about swag, I got swag galore. I've actually made some of this stuff, and also, uh, just so you know, I also have been cooking all the recipes from the Elder Scrolls. Oh what? my gosh, you said the magic word, Eric. Eric. Is holding a- cookbook right now which he we and i think i've talked about this podcast i love these unofficial cookbooks i have one for well mine's the official for sopranos it is the official cookbook that's an official oh hell yes i need to take a look at that oh dude oh man there's so many good recipes in here uh honey lavender bread is amazing sounds good that does sound really good it's really so good good. and uh and uh elsewhere uh fondue which is just white wine, gray rare cheese, and uh, you just make it with a little bit of roasted garlic in the pan before you melt the cheese and the wine together. And you dust some nutmeg on top. I feel like we need to have an Elder Scrolls meal night or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I've got all my makeup from my cat's party I did. I could come as a Khajiit. (laughs) I like it. I did want to talk about one more thing within our coulda, woulda, shoulda, because yeah. I think we kind of glossed over this before. Is some of the voice actors are quite notable in these games. Um, in Morrowind and in Oblivion, Linda Carter, Wonder Woman herself, was a voice actor. Uh, we also had in Oblivion Patrick Stewart, Sean yep. Bean, <laughs> and Terrence Stamp. <laughs> Uh, Terrence Stamp, you'll know, is Zod, the original General Zod, before uh, Michael Shannon filled the... Which uh, the creator had him say, Neil, before Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got... This is a video I saw. <laughs> oh, is that real? <laughs> yeah, I, no, I'm serious. I watched, like, a video of uh, Todd going to um, London to meet with Terrence Stamp, and you get to see, like, I really recommend the oblivion documentary on youtube it's a lot of interviews and it follows kind of like the start of it till they showed footage at it or whatever xbox thing they do and it's really it was the best thing i watched it wasn't just some fanboy being like this is why i don't like this anymore it was literally good interviews and yeah, I had some Terrence Stamp interviews, and it was cool hearing him be like, "I didn't really know what this was <laughs> as a video game, but when I when I read the script, I just knew I had to do it." You know, like, yeah. they they love saying this dialogue. I got the vibe that they just were about it. I love it. That's so okay. good. And uh, Linda voiced all the Nordic Nordic women, I guess was like her vocal thing. Any sort of Nord woman you came across was Linda Carter. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Just like the Amazonians. Yeah. 
So then Skyrim, then we had Max von Sydow, Christopher Plummer, Joan Allen, and then (laughs) Eric might get this if you ever watch the series, but Fred, you might remember from our Battlestar Galactica episode, uh, Michael Hogan, who was the general that got very like sea sea piratey right later on in the series. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hopefully he's doing well after uh, the accident we reported on in that episode, but... um, (laughs) But yeah, it's it's definitely no shortage of notable names. I mean, these are like Oscar-winning performers in this. Or I didn't know that about Skyrim. That's pretty cool. Especially like I love some Joan Allen just doing MVP work. I'm assuming. Oh my gosh, yeah, no doubt. Um, so I guess the question would be then for for a Elder Scrolls Six. You know, what are some things you would like to see out of that game, and maybe who would you want cast in there? Oh, that's requiring me to have a working knowledge of current celebrities. Maybe we'll ask you, Eric, what are the mechanics or what are the things you would want to see actually out of the game himself? Fred, you do some dream casting. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, well, you know, honestly, as far as with, with, uh, with Skyrim 6, uh, I have been kind of watching all of the news on what they're doing with uh, uh, Starfield, mm-hmm. because I think that I, I think that they kind of like apply those lessons with every single game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like they got a good idea of how to do a multi, uh, like an MMO with Elder Scrolls Online, and then they tried to apply it to Fallout seventy six, and kind of screwed the pooch with that because they went way too far in the wrong direction. So I think. Um, I think they're course correcting. I think, I think uh, Starfield. Uh, I just watched uh, their like presentation, like their long presentation on what it's all going to be about, and it looks like they're starting to bring back all of those kind of critiques that people had from, like you know, you're boiling down the characters into really, really more simple dialogue options. You're, you're, you know, you can't really. You only have so many different subsets of classes, and they're like, "We have this many." Like, like they really went out of their way to show, like, we have this many options for this game, and I think that is going to be something I'm going to see again in Elder Scrolls Six. I'm mm-hmm. hoping for, you know. So, I mean, really, what I want to see is I want to see all of the classes and everything from Oblivion. I want to see the the spell crafting ability. From oblivion coming back in i know that they're going to be in hammerfell so you know that's a red guard focused uh storyline so that definitely is going to be like i think the sword singing is going to be the actual like as opposed to a dragonborn is going to be this guy that can like just make spirit swords wow uh, as the thing as that that's a rumor i heard i don't know if it's real um but i want to see like i want that like in oblivion you could make a spell that would unlock a lock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> or you could make a spell that would just make something fly. Like, like I want that. Like, I want to be able to just do whatever the crap that I want with it. Kind of like what, what Tears of the Kingdom is doing right now with all, like, the mechanical... You can just build any machine you want with all these pieces. Right. People are just going crazy with that. I want to see that much freedom and uh, ability put into an Elder Scrolls world. That's what I want. 
And also, I want to see more voice actors. That is my biggest concern. Like, it's great that you could afford Sean Bin, right? Uh, but maybe, maybe as opposed to his salary, you could have hired like 50 other people. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So you get a lot of variation in your characters. Uh, like, you know, or just hire all of the movie celebrities and bring them in. You know, I mean, it's Bethesda for fuck's sake. It's not like they're hurting for money. No, they just got bought out too. So I think they're they're flush I, right now. My <laughs> Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, come on now. We can do it. Yeah. So they'll be holding the purse string, I'm sure. Exactly. Fred, so what are some things that you would want to see as a pickup from Skyrim? And then who would be some of your dream casting with, with all of your deep knowledge of Hollywood actors or maybe like even some people that you would want some to deep cut folk? So I will say to what Eric said, uh, I think we're in, a, we're in a better place to get those things that he's talking about because I think even since Skyrim, the doors have kind of opened more on these more complex games. Elden Ring, Tears of the Kingdom, uh, even Cyberpunk. Uh this having more control and more freedom, more things to do are is actually more popular than it was even when Skyrim came out. So I think it's very likely they'll bring back some of that stuff because I think most gamers kind of know what to do with that now. So I agree that that's something I would like. I would like kind of a more complex system, but I don't want to lose the cinematic uh, kind of vibe of skyrim i like that idea i like that it kind of looked like an episode of game of thrones you know i liked that it felt like uh an adrenaline like there were scenes that were filled with action i like that but like if they can balance both sides that'd be great but also i'm just excited to see a skyrim 6 on a new gen system like the playstation 5 or the new xbox just because playing some games now it's unreal how they look and i know with all the time they're taking they're gonna make this game look fantastic um i would say when i was reviewing these games there was that uh red wall game which i didn't know was pretty much like a like a swashbuckling pirate game mixed with kind of like an elder scrolls game and I don't want the new game to be all that, but if it's going to be this big world, I kind of want to see more environments like that. I want to feel like I'm in kind of like a pirate world, and then I want to be in that kind of Nordic snow. So I think the game's going to be huge. I want to see kind of more change in the landscape. I mean, I'm not going to fight Eric saying, yeah, let's get actually voice actors and pay them well. I'm not going to come and say, like, I want Pierce Brosnan in it. You know, that's a new big idea. Yeah, yeah, Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> great. Get Pierce Brosnan, but have him only read for one character. Yes, yeah. I like the idea, like, um, the, uh, what's the Ubisoft games where they just had uh, Gus, Giancarlo Esposito as kind of the main bad guy, Far Cry. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. kind of a cool model where we're going to sink in a lot of money. It's going to look like dude. Mm. And it's one character. I'm going to pitch you two characters. I'm going to pitch you two scars guards, a bill and an Eric scars, not Eric, uh, Stel no, not Stellan. Alex scars guard. Yeah. His name's Eric and true blood. So I'm like, is it Eric? But, uh, 
give me two scars guards, two different vibes. And then you have the rest of the world hire good voice actors, because that's something that came up a lot. When they talked about these games, people really appreciate voice actors that sound like people and not just like, don't stop. Hey, you know, like they want people <laughs> talking to you. Yeah, I like the idea of do the Far Cry model. Get two well-known-ish actors, give them two distinct characters, give them a story, but then wrap the world around that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also with, like, artificial intelligence where it is now, uh, like, you can have probably a lot more interaction with NPCs moving forward where, you know, they'll just be actually living their own lives and you'll be interrupting them mm-hmm. to bother them. It'll be free guy like in a game. (laughs) That was the big pitch for Morrowind was these people are just living their lives. These characters (laughs) are going about their business. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Them having their own little little route that they would run was also groundbreaking. Um, Oh, there's something else I want. I really, really want, especially Tom, because you're saying that like uh, this last game is going to be Todd Howard's like finale for like it. You know, the cherry on his Sunday. Magnum opus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Magnum yeah, opus. There it is. I really, really want to see a resolution to the Dwemer riddle. I want to know what happened. Why did they disappear? Where did they go? What was the answers to that? Like that, like that is like the one unanswered question on all of the Elder Scrolls is what happened to the Dwemer. There's one. One Dwemer character that you can meet in in Morrowind. Um, and that's it. Interesting. It's the only character that's ever been alive for this race in all of the games. And everyone's like, you know, because you see their robots walking around, you know, all their steampunk cool stuff is still working, but they're not. And I really like that has that has to be resolved in the final game. It, it, for me, that's the one thing I'm really hoping for. It's like, just tell me what the fuck actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> I love you know? unraveling a mystery. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. great. I mean, but at the same time, it's been such a big mystery for so long. I'm sure that I would be, again, just disappointed. Like, really? You guys were just all hanging out here? <laughs> <laughs> They're underground. You know? Um. Or maybe they all took an arrow to the knee. That's the only thing I know. About <laughs> <laughs> they, they they interviewed the guy, the guy who worked on the game, who came up with that in the documentary, and I thought that was pretty funny. That they're like, yeah, that that was me. Yeah, I thought of that story, the, the arrow in the knee. That was me. <laughs> Hilarious. That's the mystery that that we all wanted solved was who came up with that plot. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's uh, I I heard that that actually comes from like an old saying. Could be. It means that the guy got married. Yeah. If you take an arrow in the knee, it's because he was bending on one knee. Uh, like I guess propose. maybe that that's like oh. the olden term for like because that's like I married by like I didn't want to right like I took an arrow in the knee sounds like to me like I didn't want to kneel down to propose but I got an arrow in my knee so I kneeled. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't. <laughs> I'm just saying. I heard that it's <laughs> traditional because then, you know when you're married you can't go adventuring as much anymore. Mm-hmm. So then you got to get a job and you got to walk around the town. Yeah. So instead of the old ball and chain, it's the old okay. arrow. And- 
<laughs> well, I think in, I think in Fable you could start some families and just kind of move on. I think I did that yeah. quite a few times. <laughs> That's crazy. I like it. Well, so that that being said, I have no great segue to go to our power rankings, but why why not? Um, Eric, I know you've talked a lot about which games you you were more partial to than not, but now we want you to put your money where your mouth is and put a a label of one, two, and three on your top three Elder Scrolls games. Um, Well, number one is Oblivion. Hmm. I think I've I've given a lot of good arguments for why Oblivion should be the number one. Um, But to surmise... Uh, it's more detailed, better character development as far as freedom. Uh, you can gamble in it, and uh, the storylines kind of are a little bit more, I think, mature and interesting for an adult player. Number two, I think, would be Skyrim, just because it's a little bit more advanced graphically. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, it's got dragons in it. Um, and it's the one that made me fall in love with the entire franchise. So that for me gives it the number two spot. The number three spot is kind of tough because like I've played Morrowind for like a little bit, like just, just the opening, like you get off the boat and you explore that first town that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elder Scrolls Online and, uh, the Elder Scrolls Blades are the only other three games of the Elder Scrolls that I've played. And of those three, uh, I guess Elder Scrolls Online would have to be the, the third one. As wow. much as I don't like it, as much as I don't like it, I don't have enough experience with Morrowind to make a good judgment on it. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, the Blades is just clogged with microtransactions to the point where I am just so frustrated. You open it up and it gives you a free gold chest if you want to purchase it. Uh, No. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like... That's ridiculous. I hate it. I hate that game. It doesn't do anything to advance anything in the story. Yeah. Bad. At least with the Elder Scrolls Online, like, it's fleshing out the world in the universe, you know? So that that's why. That's why ESO gets the third spot. Fair enough. Well, that's... You heard it here first, the top three. Top so three. I think that might get us to the end of our episode then here, guys. Uh, Am I the only one that gets to call the top three? I thought we had a... I only played, we one. played three. <laughs> Oh, Fred, okay. top three, go. <laughs> uh, Skyrim. Elden Ring. <laughs> I, yeah, Elden Ring. Um, did I say Dead by Daylight? You did. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Mentioned Dead by Daylight. Check it out. I just unlocked... Uh, they just had added Nicolas Cage as a playable character on Dead by Daylight, and he does the voice. Oh, wow. That's a wonderful. Yeah, normally we do, we all do power rankings, but I don't think Fred and I had but, you know, extensive experience. We here. didn't have a lot of extensive experience about this, but I was so I jumped on it because I, I, I know I said I didn't beat it, but I logged so many hours on Skyrim, and I think it was just because I was just, 
I was just screwing around. I wasn't really just doing the mission, and you can do that. That's what's so great about it. Distractions in this game. It's 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 unreal. Yeah, I feel like I I definitely want to jump into these now. They really sound like like really fun games. Like just all around, I just love the the ability to kind of pick and choose what you want to do a little bit, and then being able to just kind of stay on. I because I, I love a mainline story. And I think that's almost why, like, the Forgotten City almost sounds like something I'd kind of just want to jump into and see how I like mm-hmm. it. Because now knowing it's like its own game too, it really yeah. sounds like quite the adventure. So yeah, that's it. It's my top three of ones I want to try. I'll go Skyrim, uh, the Forgotten City, and then uh, Oblivion. I want to go back. I got to go back. <laughs> <laughs> they were all in purgatory. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that does bring us to the end of our episode here. Um, Eric, thanks so much for being a guest. Uh, but before you go, yeah, is there anything absolutely. you would like to plug? Uh, well, as always, I'm always, uh, you know, plugging and, and singing the praises of the Interchange Theater. Uh, it's the improv theater cooperative that I am a very proud member and uh, a board member of. We got some great shows coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I know I'm doing a duo prof set with uh, my friend Jeff Weekly Heckman coming up in the next couple. Uh, mm-hmm. For and then uh, we're opening up for the Apocalypse show, which is going to be a, a, a really really solid night that I'm excited for. Uh, we got a bunch of different theater producers coming in, renting us out throughout the summer. But uh, check out interchangetheater.com for all the events that we got hosting every weekend. We got something fun to do. Sounds great. That's the interchangetheater.com. Interchangetheater.com. Yeah, man. Yeah, mouthful. I, I, I could run on forever. Yeah, I think you would be happy to hear that generally most of our guests are performers at the theater. And I feel most episodes were singing the praise of Interchange Theater. So all you do is very appreciated. And we always love to tell everyone to check out the Interchange Theater. Because uh, people like Eric and the rest of everyone at the co-op who make it very special, it's it's just a really nice place. And if you're in the Milwaukee area or even outside, make the trek. Come check it out. Yeah, it's a great community of people. Uh, you know, Eric is definitely heavily involved. He's keeping the ship uh, steering straight and narrow, and it's it's going. It's a good good place to be. Everyone should definitely check it out. Fred, anything you'd like to call out? Um, not too much. I'll be more, I'll be showing up in some uh, interchange shows. I know I've said on the podcast before. I just went back to full time work after three years, so balancing that's been a little crazy. But uh, I am this will be after this airs. But I did just officially sign up for my first show back after like three months. I'm going to be with Palindrome in July. I know this will already have happened, but I am just excited to say I'm back at it again. Feeling rusty, but excited. Uh, and then I'll just plug the podcast. Uh, you know, we appreciate you being a listener. If you'd like to rate and review us, please do so. Uh, please give us five stars in your review if you really like us that much. Uh, you can always drop us a donation at buymeacoffee.com slash SOTF. You can give us a one-time donation or repeat donation if you feel so inclined. Uh, and you can also find us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at State of the Franchise Podcast with Tom and Fred. And stay tuned for next time where we'll be discussing the adaptations of William Shakespeare. Should be a great time. Uh, And thank you all for listening. And thank you so much again for being on our episode here, Eric. 
Absolutely. Well met. May Talos guide you both. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. And time is on the I got no cares because all I want to do is charge my phone and drive with an engine. And what the talk about will